Um, so you've caught up. I'm caught up. Good. Yeah, I've <laughs> I watched twenty hours over like two days or something. Jesus. Maybe not that. That might be an exaggeration. I think some of the some of the le- oh, earlier, later ones, the ones further in the past, mm. I skipped a few. Yeah. Based on like the thumbnail looks boring. <laughs> To be fair, you can judge most episodes by their thumbnails. That's yeah, fine. Exactly. I was like, oh, that one doesn't look like it's got a challenge in. Mm. Challenges are always fun. Really? Is that what you look for, challenges? I think they cause the most drama. Yeah. Should we save so, this for the episode? Yeah. Well, I mean, okay. this can go in. This this can be the oh. cold open. Who well, knows? I mean, that'd be no. Tedious. We'll save it for the episode. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not making a note to myself to move this portion later on. <laughs> okay, let's horrible. save it then. <laughs> um, all right, what should we start with? Welcome to uh, episode, is it three, Josh? Three? It's episode three. God, that is, we're like in week five now, aren't we? (laughs) Well, yeah. Three out of five ain't bad. That's a phrase. It is. Welcome to episode episode three of Dream, Trash Was Everything Around Me, a podcast about trash television, uh, in this case, focusing on this season of Love Island with me, Nick. And me. Curtis. Oh, very nice. Thanks. That, yeah, I'm just joking, listeners. We haven't got Curtis on from the villa. It's me, Josh. Wow. Your boy. People Skinny were penis. genuinely <laughs> people were genuinely confused. <laughs> yep. Have you got the dancing eyebrows as well? Oh god, I hate him. Not to get into it too quickly. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Uh yeah. So uh, <laughs> I've sort of derailed that. We're three That's episodes fine. in. Uh, yes. We've done a preview. We've done one show, and then uh, here we are, three weeks later. Yep. It's kind of it'd be pointless doing a roundup of what's happened, really, wouldn't it? It's been too much. I think major points. Uh, actually, I don't remember where we were last time. Where yeah. were we last time? What's major things? I guess uh, Danny, Danny and Arabella. Yeah. Uh, sending home your one day, yeah. big talking point. That is um, Tom and Mora having a bit of a a bargy. Tom caught blocking himself to an outrageous. <laughs> I mean, one of the worst. Oh God, yeah, uh, yeah, absolute own goal. Yeah, um, I guess recent Tommy and Lucy. That's yeah. one. I guess a big <laughs> overarching thing is Lucy's just continued existence in the villa. That's quite exciting. Is it exciting? Well, only <laughs> in terms of from the last episode where it was like, oh, Joe and Lucy, they're having a great time. Joe obviously gets sent back. She's like, oh, I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave. And then immediately leave, decided no. not to. <laughs> I'm going to stick around <laughs> just to see. Just to see. I like to, yeah, that kind of insistence, like, well, you know, a surfer could walk through any minute. It's like, <laughs> they're not just picking out surfers. And also, if you want to surfer so much, don't go to Mallorca, just hang around in Cornwall, where you live. Yeah. Uh, Molly, my girlfriend, made that exact point of being like, why would why would you not find them in that one area, that one very specific area of the UK where all the surfing happens? Mm. You wouldn't find a surfer. Who knows? Well, who knows? I mean, you know, maybe there could be more surfers from different areas of the UK, you know, being sent in. It could happen. It couldn't happen. No. It seems now they're going for professional sportsmen. They've kind of had enough of, like, (laughs) models. Um, So, yeah, I guess the the most exciting thing that happened uh, recently, so we're recording this on 
Sunday the 30th of June mm. uh, and on Friday we were introduced to Casa Amor this year Casa uh, Amor which we had been room or which had been rumored not to be happening yeah, so I talked about that in the preview show. I thought that as part of the... I mean, to be honest, all of the things that I thought the Love Island producers might not do um, in order to uh, keep up uh, the Islanders' mental health, they've just done anyway. Yeah. So, <laughs> the challenge... Done the they, tweets. <laughs> done the tweets. They brought in Casa Moore. And, um, yeah, the rumours weren't true. It's It's happened. They also psychically scarred them by making them transport mayonnaise in their mouth. Oh, that was the worst challenge, wasn't it? I just... I mean, liquids transported mouth-to-mouth bad. Mm. Mayonnaise on a warm day? Absolutely yeah. not. Absolutely yeah. not. It was vile. Um, see them under the Human Rights Act. IMO. So, um, Castro Moore, yeah. I mean, it seems, in terms of the lads, they've just sent in... It's quite interesting, actually, because, the, yeah, the men they've sent in three professional sportsmen, so two footballers and a basketball player, the magnificent Ovi, who yeah. everyone instantly <laughs> fancies, obviously. He's over seven feet tall. I wonder how tall he is. He's six foot eight, you said, I think. Six foot eight. Yeah. That is inches. And as we know from previous episodes, being tall is... <laughs> it's the one it. thing. That's all you need. So it helps that he's kind of dreamy as well, doesn't it? Yeah. Tall and dreamy. Yeah. Um, and then with the girls, they seem to all have kind of quite dull corporate jobs in London. Yeah. Which is different to influencers. So yeah, I think there was like, was there a chartered accountant? There was definitely a recruitment consultant. Mm. Oh, God. Can you imagine anyone having worse chat? Yeah. Lots of people with, um, I'd say, corporate gym memberships to Nuffield Health. That's what it feels like. I have a... <laughs> <laughs> Why aren't you in Casa Amor, Nick? Because uh, I would be like that guy with the weird baby face who goes oh in my... wearing a shirt. <laughs> He's the only one in the lineup. The aborted fetus, <laughs> He's man. He's the only one in the lineup wearing a shirt. He's like, I'm too embarrassed. God, his face, his chin is a nightmare. I know, Right, listeners, I know at the beginning we were like, we're not going to lay into these people because obviously they're very vulnerable. But also, that man's face is a nightmare. <laughs> also, they're not going to be listening to this and they never will. You never know. Maybe they'll come out. Maybe their mum is preparing a zeitgeist tape, like in the thick of it for them, and they're collecting all the various media that have mentioned them. And that guy, I don't even know his name. He just looks like a cunt. Mm. Um, he's going to come across this and be like, oh, well, I guess I'll just go back to being a uni student. Studying real estate. Studying, studying real estate. Is real estate a word in the UK? Like... Can you study real estate here? Uh, I think it's just landlordery. <laughs> That's the professional Estate agency. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, real estate. Absolute bollocks. Anyway, he uh, he's already made slight waves on Friday. He tried to insinuate that Tommy was dumb. Um, in quite a strange, like, he's obviously... He said that he wanted to, you know, get to know Lucy or whatever, and then just came in and just started slacking off Tommy, which... Strange mo- strange move. Look, we've all been 21. We've all had a hard time at uni in love. We've all mm. considered and possibly read the opening chapter of The Game by Neil Strauss. <laughs> and all we've read is negging. And he- he's tried it. He's failed. Um, but you're meant to do negging on the girl, aren't you? You're not meant to do it about her boyfriend well that's the fundamental misunderstanding i think he's come to i don't think he's a very apt student no uh well i can't see him getting a first based on this level of brain activity he's just got a horrible punchable face i think it's so horrible he looks like you remember when um hayley joel osmond the child star Hmm. of the sixth sense grew up and his head expanded but his face didn't (laughs) <laughs> like you've been blown up in a balloon. Yeah, but no, but the face <laughs> stayed perfectly in the middle. And the head just expanded round it. That's the vibe. Listeners, go and look at him. You'll see exactly what I mean. 
straight away. God. Well, he can't... Here's a nice segue. He can't have acted as badly as Tom did with Mora. Oh, my God. The biggest self-cock-blocking in history. She, like, again, we've all been young, dumb, and full of cum and said something stupid. Mm. But most people learn that if you say something like that, then the best thing to do is to immediately say, oh, yeah, no, I did say that. I'm sorry. I now see it from your perspective. Yeah, I mean, etc. a quick oral history of what happened. So he was obviously giving it the big one with all the lads. Because he's, I felt like he never really was kind of one of the lads. He's always seemed a bit of like a weird outsider, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, he's trying to give it the big one. He inexplicably says it incredibly loudly while he's walking towards her, which she hears. <laughs> then says, yeah, I did say it when she questions him. She obviously gets annoyed. Then he goes upstairs and says, I didn't say it in front of all the girls. Uh, and then tried to argue that he didn't say it. And then kind of admitted that he did, but he was just repeating what they said. It was quite a, a web of lies. I was pretty impressed. What is the cost of lies? In this case, not getting a shag in the hideaway. Yeah, which, to to uh, continue the parallel I've drawn, not getting a shag in the hideaway is very similar to the Chernobyl reactor breaking up. I mean, I think, to be honest, Moore's loins would be <laughs> Moore's the <loins>. reactor. <laughs> yep. Because, um, yeah, she she was up for it. And, uh, yeah. If I love that. So he says, like, oh, I wonder if she's all mouth or whatever. Mm. Number one dick comment. And then to be like, an hour after everything is fine, because somehow he's talked her out of thinking he's a dickhead. Or, like, he hasn't, but she's being like, oh, all right, I'll give him a go. Yeah. Whatever. He's an idiot. He just goes like, oh, I don't know if we're really that compatible. She's an attention seeker. Yeah, it was... Um... Hang on, am I on mute right now? No. Okay, good. Well, again, asking the question, am I on mute right now, <laughs> is not going to help. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, edit that bit out. Um, no, I won't. No, I please. Refuse. <laughs> <laughs> refuse. Uh, what did you say before? What was your last point? <clears throat> Um, something about Tom being an idiot by following up his his dumb comment yes. with an equally dumb comment. But the problem with that was that he he, you know, to be fair to him on the, I mean, obviously he he's a complete moron and it's good that he's gone. But he um when he was talking to Jordan about that, I mean, I know, you know, some some of it was a bit weird. Obviously, saying that she was cringe is is quite a nasty thing to say. Um, that weird kind of thing was like, well, she's not really a fitness girl. Like, what does that mean? As in, like, you can only go out with someone who, what, goes to the gym all the time. Mm. I don't really understand that as, like, a request. It's like, she's clearly, like, got a good body. Like, what what does he want? Uh, maybe he wants that. Is it because he goes to the gym all the time and he needs someone to go with? Like, just get a gym buddy. Yeah, he needs a, he needs a walking towel rack with boobs. Yeah. Oh dear. But yeah, I mean, to be fair, all of that was Jordan completely betraying him. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, that whole He's got situation. out of this scot free, isn't he? He had like <laughs> incredibly. Jordan just imme- like, yeah, no, I won't tell anyone. Yeah, it's just between us. We're bros. We came in together. Oh, by the way, Anna, who I know that you're best friends with Bora. Uh yeah, by the way, this happened. And then Anna going up and being like, Oh yeah, I'm just telling you this in confidence. I'm not gonna tell you everything. Yeah, the whole kind of like, I can't tell you everything, but <laughs> he hates you. But I, I'm not going to tell you what he said, because that would be betraying his trust. Like, yeah, good one. Uh, it's one of those things, like, again, this stupid uh, eschewing of the truth by... Uh, I'm trying to get round to the point that it's like when in horror films, they're like, some directors will show you the monster... And everyone goes like, oh, it's not that bad. Whereas if they obscure the monster or obscure the horror, then what's in your head is much worse. And that's exactly what Anna and Jordan did to Mora. Yes. That's all, That's my whole point. Welcome to Film Studies Podcast. It was quite a nice analogy. Thanks. 
Thanks. A, a Quiet Place did that very well, didn't it? Yes. Yeah. Didn't show the monster until right. It's a great film. That great film. It's very good. Um. Yeah. Jordan's got away with it scot free. Really, that was pretty bad. I mean, to be honest, there's been quite a few like complete grasses. Amber is the worst. I mean, the amount of times Amber's grasped someone up, where she's just like, "Oh yeah, by the way, did you know that uh, Lucy said that she still fancies Tommy?" Yeah. Just like what? I came out of nowhere. She's a messy bitch. She lives for drama. She does live for drama. Fair play to her. Fair play. But some of the uh, new girls in... Well, they're not in Casamore. They're in the main villa, but I'll just call them the Casamore girls. Yeah. I've already targeted Amber and Michael. Mm. That... that, Nabila is her name. She was like, he needs a woman, not a girl. Yeah, that was a good comment. Um, And one that I can totally see. Because... Yeah, we were watching that argument after. I can't remember what Michael and Amber got in an argument about. Do you um, remember? So the the first argument was when Maura and Elmer came in and they were having dinner and all the girls were like up on the balcony like heckling them. And oh. he, got, he got really annoyed being like, so childish, so childish. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, fair enough. That I mean, that was incredibly childish. As yeah. I, think, I think we talked about that on the last podcast. I think we did actually, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, the second one, the most recent one. Was that a, Oh, was oh. it about the whipped? The whipped thing? No, I don't think so. I think they were both quite in, enjoyed that. What yeah. What did they argument about? Was it the aftermath of the Danny Yuande stuff? Because, I mean, like, the way that Amber and Anna behaved towards Danny was pretty unacceptable. Yeah. Something like that. Anyway, she, like, her behaviour during the little chat that he was having, being like, I just want to squash it, but also I want to say that, you know, your behaviour was bad. And she was like, well, no, it wasn't. Um, Mm. You're criticising me now. I'm going to walk away. And he was like, no, I think we need to talk about this. Anyway. Yeah. Absolute joke. Yes. That is... Uh, I've got nothing more interesting to say about that. No. Just that it's just that it's it's just childish, and it's just like I don't know, uncrackable ego. I mean, highly crackable ego, but won't ever get to, won't ever put herself in a position where her ego could be cracked. It's it's interesting because I wonder because obviously now quite a lot of people, her and Michael are favourites to win. Because um, I think people, you know, a lot of people love Curtis and Amy, and you know. Your mum loves Curtis and Amy because they're cute. But also a lot of people think that he's kind of weird and sexless and that Amy's a bit odd. Um, So they're kind of like, I'd say the critic's favourite at the moment to win. But Mm. will the public be... I think they probably quite support most things she does. In terms of that, like, being bitchy, being a bit of a knob. I feel like Fiat 500 Twitter's behind her in doing it, whereas... Yeah, no, that's a good point. She, that behaviour is the behaviour of the core demographic. <laughs> yeah, it's Therefore, kind of like she'll the, play well. Yeah, the people that come into big, well, sorry, the people that come into Love Island. I was going to say Big Brother. I was like, it's a bit of a dated reference. Um, <laughs> Same I'm thing. Not, I'm not here to make friends. You know, I say what I mean, and that's great. And people are like, yeah, it's so great when people say what they mean. But it actually <laughs> just means that they're a sociopath. Yeah, isn't it brilliant when people say thoughts? that they've had regardless of consequences yeah regardless of context or <laughs> other people just completely lacking empathy isn't that great yeah oh god so Amber's down in our estimations um have else? you come round to the view that Curtis is a psychopath yet no I still really like him oh my god you're you've been taken in no I mean I, I don't like, I don't think, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, he's the ultimate gent, blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't really see that. He just seems like a, just a nice guy. No, no, no. I've been thinking about it more and more as I've watched the 20 hours over two days or however much I've watched. Yeah. That's too much love. I'm judging it's too much. I feel sick. He's Patrick Bateman. He is Patrick Bateman. Like, the whole thing is a mask. It's all a mask. Every word. The way he talks. His hair. His awful hair. 
It's just all calculated to make him seem like a real person, but he's not. And me and my girlfriend, Molly, we were talking about it while watching the last episode, and we've figured it out. Yeah. Have you seen the Queer Eye episode? Um, I don't know if it's the most recent series, but there's one where there's a kid who's grown up exclusively amongst old people because I can't remember why, but he like sings at this over 60s thing and he doesn't really have any friends his own age. I'm not sure I have seen that one, actually. I thought I'd seen them all, but... It's quite good and moving. Um, they all are. But Curtis If you want to cry, put on dancing. Queer Eye, for God's sake. You should call it... Queer Cry. Cryer. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Queer Cry. Um, Curtis is a ballroom dancer. Mm. I don't think he's ever met anyone under 30. Under 50. <laughs> he does have This a... is his first time. He's... Yeah. Someone's given him, not again to use the zeitgeist tape, someone's given him a tape of how to act, and this is it. He's just devoid of personality. His only personality is reciting vaguely motivational tweets and smiling. I don't think he's devoid of personality. I think there's a lot of clips in the edit that show that he's actually, you know, a well-liked person and has a lot to say and is good fun. I'm not saying he's not well-liked. Patrick Bateman, it, well, no, he's not well-liked. Uh, Ted Bundy was well-liked. Was he? Yep. That's a matter of record, I think. Yeah. Uh, listeners, if it's not, I don't know. Um, but just other little things, like when he joined the Do Bits Society, mm. he, he called a press conference of all the boys, and they went... Not to, uh, I won't say anything, but uh, you can see by the look of my face that I've, uh, something has happened. And then they're like, oh, what, did you fuck? And he's like, oh, a gentleman never tells, a gentleman never tells. But uh, I'll just leave that to your imagination. Yeah. Pathetic. Why is that pathetic? Because if he's like, oh, a gentleman never tells, blah, 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 blah. Why'd he call a fucking press conference? Because he needed to announce that he'd done bits. But why? This is a why classic he... of the genre, Josh. They no. always hold a press conference to uh, to tell everyone they've done bits. But then... if he were, if he were the person that he's pretending to be, he would have waited for someone else to say that they'd joined the Do Bit Society, and then casually interjected with, "Oh." me and Amy might well like or waited for someone to ask him but what he's done there is he's just come out and said I'm Johnny Big Boy I've got my (laughs) I'm Johnny (laughs) Johnny Big Boy (laughs) it's your boy Johnny Big Boy I'm Johnny Big Boy is he Jack the Lad? no he's Johnny Big Boy He's he's Johnny Big Boy I've got my fingers wet or whatever the fuck he's done do you yeah. know what I mean? Like he's uh, he's screaming for someone to see the real him, and I've seen it, and it's not good. I think you're holding him to an impossible standard. What of being a human being? I, don't, I just don't think he's a human being. There's he's no, Benjamin Button. There's no evidence to suggest that he's got anything darker behind him. I think he's just a nice lad. Although I do still like the fan theory that he's the undercover psychologist being put in there <laughs> to keep their morale up. To yeah. help solve all their problems. Maybe. I mean, he's not... Oh, that's the other fucking thing. Right, so every time anyone has a difficulty, like anyone's having a conversation, there's just a shot of fucking Curtis jumping out of the pool and running across to casually throw in some really reductive and just shit advice. Just like, oh, well, you know, you've got to say that to her. You've got to, you've got to talk to her. You've got to say that to her. I wouldn't say that. Maybe make her a cup of tea. Maybe it'll be fine. By the way, smell my fingers. That's him. That's him in a nutshell. But has anyone whose advice he's given, you know, not prospered? Tom. I can't remember what advice he gave him. <clears throat> Probably wasn't... <laughs> Well, yeah. To be Question fair, that more was more honor in front of everyone. That was an un unfuckable situation. Hmm. Uh, anyway, I ju- I just hate him, and I think history will prove me right. 
Okay. And also, yeah, him and Amy have no sexual chemistry. He is he is the noblest man. He is absolutely like nothing. Yeah, I d- it was like last year. I mean, I didn't really think that Jack and Danny had much sexual chemistry. No. He kind of seemed a bit awkward in that department. But, mm. you know, look at them now. They're not a couple anymore. <laughs> They're broken up <laughs> and arguably broke up the day they left the villa. No, they got back together a few times, filmed a little reality TV show and then magically broke up again. I mean, come mm, on. It's, it's not brilliant. like any of it was staged or, you know. Managed. <sighs> um, so the other big talking point, I guess, would be the Danny and Arabella and Yawande scandal. Yeah. Um, now. I'm very against the grain on this one. Yeah, I want to see where your, I want to see where your head's at. So yes. should we go? Should we go for a chat? Yeah. Um, I think Danny did nothing wrong. Yes. <laughs> I think that one day was deserved to go. Yes. <laughs> and I think that the behaviour of everyone else was awful. Oh my god! Yeah. I mean, well, I get, I get the girls. I get how they've behaved because you know they came in, or most of them, with Yuande. Mm. They're her mates. I get that they just want to back her up against this new girl, who they didn't know at the time. They they'll never know now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she was like Yuande, psychopath. Yeah, or sociopath, like. I don't know. I mean, I know she's got a lot of support on Twitter, and I get that. I she went to. I was looking into, or I was trying to remember what her past was, and I think she went to uni really young, didn't she? She went sixteen. At like yeah, sixteen. She's not. She's not. She's working in STEM, which you know traditionally. Not, oh, not no, sexy. This is, no, not not sexy, but you know, if <laughs> it's quite intense. You yeah. focus a lot on your work. You don't really socialise as much, or at least in my head, that's what STEM looks like. <laughs> it's just so, nerds in coats, mate. It's just that's nerds in coats. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we really have no idea, do we? No idea. <laughs> so I'm sorry if this is all hugely offensive. It's quite but, funny, actually. In the preview, when I was talking about her as a scientist, and I was like, no one's job as a scientist. No one's actually a scientist, surely. And then my girlfriend corrected me by listing off about three people she knew who were scientists. <laughs> so... Clearly, oh, apologise for that. It's a growth industry. <laughs> but um, what was I saying? Yeah, I just don't think I don't think she's ever had. And to get to university at sixteen, she must have had such an intense schooling. I don't yeah. think she's ever been socialised, like in terms of how to talk to boys, how to act around boys. Because we were watching the episode where someone was like, "Oh, you're not spending enough time with Danny." Danny's talking to Arabella. So she just goes and fucking sits on him, but yeah. doesn't talk. Doesn't talk afterwards. She just sits on him and stares, glares at Arabella, just like, keep off. But in that moment, she thinks, because, you know, afterwards, someone's like, why did you do that? And she's like, you know, I was just, I just wanted to be close to you. And it's like, but you didn't, all you did was sat on him in a really uncomfortable, weird way. Mm. It was, yeah. It, it, it was just, it's schoolyard. It's it's what you do when you're nine. Yeah. Well, not nine, that's weird. That uh, in year nine, and you have, like, your first boy who maybe you've kissed once behind a bike shed, and now you're like, oh, that other girl wants to kiss him. I'm going to just, I don't know, sit on his shoes. It did, it did remind me of... So where I grew up was... Uh, a little insight into my life. I grew up on the Kent-Sussex border, right? And Sussex is comp and uh, Kent is grammar school. So when we were, you know, I went to a mixed comprehensive school, we had loads of girl mates, whatever. But then when you go out in uh, a nearby town and you'd meet the grammar school girls, whenever any of this sort of like, you know, courting happened or whatever, they were always so weird because they weren't used to being around boys. So they treat them like an alien species. So it was all that kind of like, not knowing how to talk to them, not knowing how to interact with them, like whether that was I don't know playing games or just being weird and like we were always just kind of like what is wrong with all these freaks Mm. (laughs) thinking you know when you're that age you're like well 
it's obviously a Kent thing. You heard of old Kent? <laughs> These people from Kent are weird. They've yeah. got the Kent look, exactly. the Innsmouth look. But yeah, I think that socialization in terms of, you know, at a young age, like I've never had a problem with being friends with girls or talking to girls because I've grown up seeing and spending time with them every single day of my life. So it's just, it's not weird at all. This is what a feminist looks like. Exactly. Yeah. Get me in one of those t-shirts. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I can see, I can see where you're coming from with that. She was very weird with them. But I think like even in that kind of, the whole thing with Danny, you know, it was very clear and Danny kept making it very clear what he wanted. He wanted a bit of affection. He wanted to hang around with her, chat to her um, and just, you know, kind of act a bit like a couple, which, mm. you know, is a fairly normal request. It's, it's a fairly basic sort of, yeah, it's a, it's a very low bar of being like, oh, when we're in a couple, do you know what would be nice? It's if we acted as <laughs> if we were in a couple. Yeah. And it's like, you know, when Anna was complaining about Sharif being like, he's never around, it's like, that's a fair criticism of someone if you're, you know, especially in that environment where it's not like, oh, I'm busy at work or I'm busy doing this. You've got nothing else to do. So there's something seriously wrong if you're deciding not to spend time with people. No, exactly. Well, again, I was thinking, because, you know, obviously my initial thoughts were the thoughts that I've just given. Um, but then mm-hmm. I was thinking on it early. Well, not earlier. That makes it that makes it seem like all I do is sit around watching Love Island and then pondering, um, which is a fine way to spend an evening. It is, but no. After my initial thoughts, I was like, oh, maybe, maybe we're falling into the trap again of Samira last year, where you know it came out that loads of it was edited out. Yeah, all that sort of stuff. But then. Samira, it felt like she had a personality when she was on screen. Yeah, she did. And made an impact. Like, she was fun to watch, whereas Yuande has arguably never been fun to watch. Yeah. She's just a vacuum Yeah, of bants. Yeah, she yeah didn't really have a, the sort of personality that works on the show, where you need to be slightly outgoing, you need to have a laugh... Um, yeah. she doesn't really seem to possess those characteristics which is you know it's fine it's not a criticism of her as a person I'm sure you know in the right environment you'd probably get a lot out of her but in that it didn't really work I don't think and you know it's clear that Danny didn't really get what he put out in return so when a model comes in and is suddenly like I want to spend every minute with you you know it's it's fairly clear, but she'd also been pushing him away for ages and all those chats where she was like, oh, I can't really open up. Oh, I don't really want to do this. It's like, well, you know, fair Why enough. Why the fuck are you here? It's not like she was still desperate to stay with him. She didn't seem that particularly fond of him at any point, really. No, until someone comes in and challenges her for that place. Yeah. And then, and then you, suddenly she yeah. just goes and fucking sits on him. Or, you know, did that kind of really awkward cringe snog in front of everyone. Yeah, again. Oh, he was like, this is what I've been waiting for. It's like, God, aim high, dude. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I think, um, you know, if I was him, I'd have done exactly the same. Yeah, and that's, same. that's Love Island, folks. That's Love Island. But yeah, I accidentally tweeted something negative about you one day, and oh, does she have some stands? They... Yeah, I saw, I saw. <laughs> I saw that tweet, and then I saw the replies, and I went... Well, this is why I don't tweet about Love Island anymore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I think I used the Love Island hashtag. I don't know why. Probably just I think I wanted <laughs> to just put something out in the uh, endless stream of positivity for. A, I wanted to equalise it because I'm just a little troll, baby. Just a troll boy. Yeah, I mean, I get people supporting her and having solidarity with her. I get it, but. She was bad. <laughs> like, I can't put it any simpler. Like, she just was boring. I, I, I think it's a failure of the show for putting her in. Yeah. Because, as you said, her personality wasn't there. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't what is required of this show. Like you said, she'll do very well in a different context. But in this context, just doesn't work. Doesn't work. No, and now she's gone... And so is Arabella, and so is Tom. So a lot so of our talking points are 
mute, uh, mute now. They're gone. It was all for nothing. All but that's like life, isn't it, listeners? A lot of strife, and in the end, you end up with nothing. And no one remembers you were there. You spend all that time at work, then you move jobs, and at the end, they're doing your presentation. They're like, what were your achievements and successes? And it's just a blank slide. Yeah, and then you just move with on. a... Just with one, two words. Any questions? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's oh, like the future of... of all of these. Love on them. It's well. I mean, this thing with Casa Moore, So it's obviously you know, all these people come in. They're very uh, bullshy, very ballsy. Coming in, I'm going to tread on toes. I'm going to turn heads. I'm going to do all of this. Within a week, obviously, when it Casa Moore closes down, almost all of them will go, and we'll never hear from any of them again. So no, you know, all that will remain is statues of. I don't even know. I don't know their names of the fetus-headed man. Yeah, it said, "My name is fetus-headed man, king of kings. Look upon my works, ye mighty, in despair." And you and look out, and there's there there's nothing. nothing. Yeah, there's nothing. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I guess it's probably t- time for us to speculate on if anyone's gonna. I think Amy's gonna go for Ovi. Uh, Amy, Anna, Anna. Anna yeah, Ovi. straight up. I mean, they had a little clip and it looked like they were snogging in that. Yeah. Uh, and Maura and mm, Danone. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to make that joke. I mean, it's, it's low-hanging fruit. It but it's good. It's very good. <laughs> I was going to do it in the... Uh, have you seen the Libby sketch with the drunk guy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm, Danone. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, Who have we got? So Maura and mm, Danone. Uh, Anna and Ovi I think that one I think Jordan's not long for the world if I'm honest no. unless he finds a new girl who knows we haven't seen any of their interactions yet no uh, other than that I mean Amber seems like she's pretty solid Amy will be I don't think Molly May's gonna I don't think any of them are as charismatic as Tommy you could argue no um, it's kind of it really isn't it who else is there Lucy. Oh, yeah, Lucy could. Lucy's a floating voter. She seemed enamoured with that blonde lad who looked like a Hitler youth. I was just, yeah, so I'm just looking through the pictures. I'm glad you also picked up on the Hitler youth aspect of George Reigns. Mm. <laughs> yeah, he looks like one of those, like, at rallies, they'd trot him out and be like, this is the perfect man. But he also kind of looks a bit like um, the guy from last year's Love Island that Lucy's been out with. Charlie something. Charlie. So uh, yeah, that's true. That could be a good portend. Port portend. That word. It seems like as well. It's quite funny actually. A lot of them this year seem to have been ex exes of people last year. It's like this kind of weird, never-ending feedback loop um, spiral of shagging and Love Island participation. Yeah, that's that's another thing. I mean, slightly slightly different point, but that's another thing me and Molly were talking about when we were watching some episode is um, how they all talk the same. Yeah. Every year they have the same lingo, yeah. the same everything, and we would. I was just wondering, like, is that how they speak in their normal lives? Like, did they did they come to that? You know, what's your type on paper? Your head being turned. It is what it is. Is that just what they say in normal life? And they would have said it if they'd never watched Love Island. Or is it just like they saw the first series of Love Island, the revamp or whatever. And then someone said that and they went, oh, that's a really good phrase. And then ever since then, everyone has just, it's again a feedback loop of everyone just saying the same phrases over and over and over again. It's a very good point and an interesting one because I always suspected that the producers fed them lines like that. So because whenever you hear old islanders talk about it, they're like, you know, oh, how natural the conversations. It's like, well, everything we say is natural, but the producers will come over to us and say, Anton, go and take Joe for a chat about Lucy, right? So I wonder if they're like, Anton, go and take Joe for a chat about his type on paper. Or do you know what I mean? Like, fed slightly like that. Because you're right, there is a language and it's so specific. And it's like, in real life, you would never talk about getting to know people all the time. Or, yeah. No, that's that's my favourite thing about all the conversations in this. Is like, so there was that clip of Ovi 
talking to Anna and she's like, oh, what do you do? And he's like, I'm a professional basketball player. And you'd think the next question would be like, oh, fuck, that's crazy. Who do you play for? What's the blah, blah, you know, what position do you play? Where have you you gone anywhere weird doing this, blah, blah, blah. But her next question is like, so what's your type on paper? Yeah. Who are you looking for? Who are you interested in? Who do you want to get to know? And it's just like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. All you people are having, like, it's like when you're in the final stages of a breakup and you know that the one thing you shouldn't talk about is the breakup and how you're feeling. But that's all you want to talk about. Mm. Whereas, you know, normal conversation that would, I don't know, rebuild a relationship would be like, how's your day? What's going on? Or like just normal things. Whereas it's just such a giant, weird, unknowable mess question. Yeah, it's almost like speed dating, isn't it? And they've been mm. fed a set of, set of questions. Yes, for that's Love Island, baby. Yeah, but you you are right, and I, you know, obviously, us being uh, two members of the media elite in London, <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> whether what does the Daily Mail probably call Corbynista class or whatever, um, you know, yeah. we don't talk like that. Do I have enough? <laughs> friends outside of my bubble to know if regular Joes talk like that? I don't know. No idea. We should go on a fact-finding mission to Wilmslow. Yeah, or like, I don't know, some provincial shit club in Derbyshire. Yeah. Should we just do that? We should just do that. The thing is, if we actually like you know, got any money from this podcast, we could use that for that. Like, if we, you know, put some adverts in. I mean, I'd, I'd probably spend the money on other things. But we could. It, we could. Just go out and interview people. It's something we always could do. Another thing that happened over the last two weeks since we last recorded is it came out why Sharif was kicked out. Yes. Oh, good talking point. Um, cunt punting. Molly May. Cunt punting Molly May. Well, it seems like the cunt punt wasn't the reason for, you know, it was during a play fight, which is fine. It was him then announcing that he just cunt punted her. It seemed to cause the consternation. I mean, I can see that because, you know, if you're play fighting, things are going to get punted. (laughs) But to then walk away and be like, ha ha ha, that was a cunt punt. I can see that sort of betrays a uh, a juvenility, yeah. an immaturity, and a possible disregard for female genitals. But at the same token, is jokingly referring to an incident as a cunt punt as bad as, for example, last year when Ellie and Georgia were having an argument and Ellie screamed, you're an ugly cunt in her face? I think that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) I think shouting you're an ugly cunt in someone's face is fine. Is it? Yes. I do. Uh, Well, I mean, like, you know, that's like... uh, That's just, you know, language you'd use in an argument. Yeah. But I think it's more the whole, like, causing someone physical pain by doing something very weird and intimate and violent, even in the context of a play fight. I mean, in the context of the play fight, fine, apologise, move on, pretend it never happened. But to then go off and sort of like brag about it is what I... I mean, that's the only context I could think that he would say that in, because he's not going to be like, I'm really sorry I did a cunt punt. (laughs) No one would talk like that. So he's obviously gone off and been like, cunt punt, mate, yeah. Which is a bit like, I don't know, the sort of undertones of misogyny and Mm. just being a bit too immature. You know, because it now makes sense, all the comments are being like, oh, I think I just need to, you know, do some growing up and stuff. It's something you do, it's something you might have done in year eight and then gotten to 20 or however old Sharif was, look back at it and be ashamed that anything like that had ever happened and you were ever that sort of person. But to do it at 20 is a bit like, ugh. I guess, yeah, as well, it depends on the context of what was happening in the play fight, right? So if they were like wrestling each other and then he kind of accidentally gave it a punt, 
uh, fair enough. But if, you know, he just stood there and kicked it intentionally and then went, cunt punt, then that's probably a bit weird. That's a fireable offence. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. But I think if it was genuinely an accident and then he just kind of said it as a joke, I don't think it would be a sackable offence. In my IMO. Mm. It's all about intent, isn't it? It's all about intent. Well, R.I.P. Sharif, uh, R.I.P. Elmer, Tom. Yeah. Um, Probably Jordan coming up. Yeah, probably. I think, I feel like he's going to, well, I've got no idea. I was going to say he's probably going to stick with Anna, but who knows? Who bloody knows? She clearly (laughs) does not have that same level of loyalty. (laughs) Did you get bored of your sentence? I did. God. We don't know what's going to happen in Castlemore. Let's watch. Let's all watch tonight, listeners. Okay, Sarah, Sarah. Casa Amor Sarah Sarah K whatever will be will be and then you know we'll try and do an ep <laughs> next <there>. week yeah. maybe <laughs> let's see see if our um, schedules can align yeah I just one quick thing before we stop talking about Love Island yeah I really like Anton <laughs> in what way I just think he's a good guy mm-hmm. see, I that's would... it that's all I want to say <laughs> if I had to Gamble on someone being a secret psychopath. It would you be think more, Anton? It would be more Anton for me than Curtis. Absolutely not. I think Anton is a sweetie. Yeah. Um, he's straight up in terms of, you know, when he used to pull people over for a chat. Like, at the beginning, I was like, oh, that's a bit weird. But then when he pulled people over for a chat to be like, I'm going to go and talk to the girl that you're with. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's weird. Mm. But... I don't know. I think it shows he has a level of respect for people. And, you know, the fact that he's ended up being consistently one of the main, one of the only boys that the girls film seem to be comfortable talking to in a non-romantic context. Mm. I don't know. I feel like that's good. He makes everyone tea. Yeah. He's he's clearly a big mummy's boy, isn't he? Yeah. I guess that's the thing. Him um, and, him and um, Tommy, similar auras. Yeah. I, you know, I, I'd, I'd like him as well. I think it's interesting how he's been the unluckiest in love so far. Yeah, did not see that coming. Because he's clearly a good looking lad, but it's just, you know, whether he's too friendly and over the top and it's kind of, people find it a bit odd. Yeah, yeah. You know, in the classic parlance, he's always in the friend zone. Is that because he comes on too strong or too... I don't know. I have no idea. No idea. I think maybe he's... You know, he's tried it on with a couple of girls and it's not gone his way. So I think now he's really waiting until he feels that spark, I guess, in a more tangible... Or is he just coming across as desperate? Yeah, it could be that as well. Maybe he's like, "Oh, I just look desperate. Maybe I should just chill out for a bit." Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't know. I hope he finds love in Casseramore. I mean, I know he's not in Casseramore, but with the Casseramore more girls. Mm. Um, but yeah, did any of them come in being like, "Oh yeah, I want to talk to Anton"? Um, the blonde one from Essex said that. I think uh, she said Anton and Tommy. Oh, yeah. So, um, uh, Belle, I think her name is? Maria. Oh, Belle. Is it Belle? I'm just looking at the Radio Times breakdown because I did not take in any of their names. The only ones I remember was Nabila, because I was like, that's a cool name. Wait, I don't... Wait, 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 wait. Wait, 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 wait. Whoa. Her dad is Tamer Hassan. Who's that? Whoa. Um... He's in lots of really bad gangster films. He was in The Football Factory. Oh, what? Is he the the main antagonist? Yeah. Wait, Nabil is her, his daughter? Belle. Oh, Belle is? Belle is, yeah. Wow. Big, uh, 
Big revelations. Yeah. Shit. Well, that's, that's put me up for tonight's episode. <laughs> Are you excited now? Oof. Four. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would say any predictions, but, you know, Casper and Moore, it's a different kettle of fish. I don't think anyone can predict anything in this game. The future's not ours to see. Okay. Casper and Moore. Casper and Moore and Moore. Whatever will be, will be. There we go. Got there in the end. I didn't need to be involved in that at all, do I? <laughs> <laughs> nice, though. Should we do anything you've enjoyed over the last two weeks? Uh, yeah, do you want to go first? No. Because oh. <laughs> I hadn't thought about it until now. Yeah, well, I've been trying to think of it, and because... <sighs> All right. The me- it's fucking basic, but over the last two weeks, I started, got obsessed by, and finished Chernobyl. Yeah. Fucking hell. It's incredible. It's good, isn't it? Obviously. Jesus Christ. Yeah, greatest television ever made. Best television series ever made, I would say. That is a big, big claim. It's just so good. It's understated, but also big when it needs to be. It's very relevant. Mm. Um, The direction is very nice. The fact that they hold back on showing action in key places I've already said that I don't know I think the acting's great the sort of historical true to lifeness but also engaging I mean I've listened to the podcast as well where they're talking about like which parts they changed or which parts were real and Mm. it's all the bits that like mental that are real yeah oh yeah like, oh, I don't know. I just, yeah, I'm, it was I'm just great. St- I'm stunned by the writing because I think it's one of those things where it's like, it's an event that happened and they managed to structure it in such a way that it it was, you know, cinematic in terms of, like, it's structured in the most perfect way that you're constantly gripped for all five episodes. Yeah. And the pacing of it, everything was just amazing. And then, you know, you look at the guy and what, what did he do before? Scary Movie 3? It's crazy. Disaster Movie or whatever? It's like... Yeah. God, when you, you know, when you say a writer's trash, it's like sometimes they've got something good backed up, they just haven't had the opportunity to do it yet. Yeah, exactly. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I mean, when you look at it now in that context, you're like, oh, he's probably, you know, when they say he's a writer for Scary Movie, he's probably just in the writer's room. You know what I mean? Just like learning that crut. Like, what I got from the podcast about... Have you listened to it? No, I haven't actually. It's really good. It's just an interview with him that goes on for five hours or whatever. Yeah. And him talking about like, oh, I originally was going to structure it like this. Like showing... I mean, there's no spoilers because everyone... Well, they're kind of up. But anyway, showing... He talks about making the decision not to show what... Pripyat looked like before the blast at the beginning Mm. he was like I'm going to move that to the end because it feels like a sort of and you could see that in a sort of scary movie type thing or any mainstream film that's how you give a shorthand for like these people matter is you show them living their daily life and then something horrible happens Yeah. whereas in this it's just like no, you just see the horrible things and then when you care about the people because of what they've gone through, you go back to the beginning mm. and you see them before and you get this melancholy and like futile notion that you can stop it and all that stuff. I, d- I don't know. I just thought it was perfect. It's a perfect show. That's good. Best I enjoyed it. Time. I enjoyed it massively. I thought it was fantastic. Superbly yeah. done. And I think it's, you know, when you see people talking about it on Twitter, people who generally live through, I don't know, the Soviet era, and they say it's the only thing they've ever seen that actually shows that Soviet mindset um, of kind of, you know, utilitarianism at, at its core, but also kind of just not accepting the truth, not accepting that there could ever be a Soviet agency that did something wrong you know all these sorts of things that kind of contributed to their eventual collapse 
Yeah. They, they've kind of nailed that. Feels a lot like the Brexit party. <laughs> just going to say. No, they're just thick. That's the difference. <laughs> the Soviets weren't thick. They were just kind of brainwashed and, you know, caught up in this state of mania. Whereas the people in the Brexit party are just stupid. Um, what's your thing that you enjoyed? Well, the main things that I've been enjoying, um, I couldn't really think of a TV show or podcast or anything. Um, although, giant podcast by the good lads at Mundial, that's very good. They've only just launched that. Two episodes in. Oh, I haven't started that yet. It's only on Spotify, though, which is annoying, but fair play to Spotify getting into the podcasting game. Um, I've been listening to so good music recently. Obviously, the latest Vampire Weekend album is excellent and rewards a number of listens. Mm. Um, slow tie, nothing great about Britain. Superb. Um, mm. They finally released the Jaipur album. Oh my god! Yeah, did, did I talk about that on the last podcast? I can't remember if I did, but um, I don't know. But yeah, I mean, it makes me a bit sad because obviously, for legal reasons, some of the some of the samples and tracks have been removed. Um, yeah, the Gossip Girl. I'm British under Lord. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Or, like, there's a Harry Potter one that was in one of the earlier tracks. Yeah. But, I mean, anyway. so if anyone doesn't know Jaipal, he uh, basically did BTS, TU, and Jasmine, which were two of the, like, most incredible singles. Um, they were, what, like, 2011, around then? Yeah. Um, kind of mad sound that no one had ever really heard before. Um, so great. And then he, he was working on his album, and it I think his laptop got stolen, and it was leaked on... SoundCloud or whatever, I mean, whatever the equivalent was back then. Bandcamp. Um, Bandcamp, that's it. And then he just kind of, as a result of that, just kind of withdrew and retreated and hasn't really surfaced for, what, six or seven years? Yeah. He started his Paul Institute, which has done some cracking music as well. But none of it has been, like, his music. But yeah, him and his, his brother, what's his brother called? AK AK Paul, yeah, they've they've done some production on some other songs. Did a great song with Now, um, a few other things. But um, they've he's finally released the album and done some new music on Spotify. Um, massively recommend checking that out. It's amazing. Genre and mind bending. Um, J Paul, J Paul, big in the game. Big in the game. New Flying Lotus album, Flamagra, is excellent as well. Mm. Um, one thing I did want to talk about. So I saw yesterday on Friday night. Mm. Uh, I went on my own to see it I love the Beatles uh, mm. and you know Richard Curtis and Danny Boyle you know you're in for a treat when yeah. both of them are involved you know critically perhaps not but you're going to enjoy it so I went to see it and overall I think it was good it's a good film it's enjoyable some funny moments in it but what annoyed me was the the whole concept of the film, the first time I heard it and in the trailers, I was like, what an amazing concept. The world's woken up in a world where they don't know the Beatles. There's one guy who remembers it. He, you know, and then becomes the biggest star in the world singing their songs. Yeah. Okay, great. The problem is, <laughs> yeah, is the concept is ridiculous, right? Because, yes, they're great songs, obviously. They're some of the best songs ever written. But the reason the Beatles were the cultural behemoth they were is because of all everything else all the context around it so their personalities their look their art design also the their, time there's yeah the time because yeah there was nothing in the world that was like it their studio experimentation like you know they were a great live band in the early days and they stopped doing live music and then they reinvented what a recording studio could do right so mm. that all happened and that's why they were great and the greatest artists of all time, you know, mm. in my eyes, without a doubt. Yeah. Some twat <laughs> playing I Want to Hold Your Hand on his own on an acoustic guitar, it wouldn't... In 2019, yeah. a song like I Want to Hold Your Hand just doesn't fucking fly! It yeah. doesn't fly! It's nonsense. And... You know, the oh, so so that that fine, okay. But I can I can override that because it's a fun film. It's not a in depth look into alternate realities, okay. Fine. Yeah. There's two other bits that really annoyed me, and I want to talk about, and I, right. I will try not to spoil it at all. Sure. But 
there's too much fucking Ed Sheeran in this film. Mm. Ed Sheeran famously has no charisma. Ed yeah. Sheeran famously looks like shit. He's got some all right songs, but he's not an interesting person. This film, mm. is, honestly, Ed Sheeran is in nearly every single scene. It is ridiculous. Really? He's in it so much. And it's kind of like, I don't know if they're trying to equate Ed Sheeran's career to this guy's career. Because, you know, he's big and he's popular, but he's not a genius by any stretch. Anyway, so, <laughs> there's this incredible scene. So he, Ed Sheeran asked him to support him on his world tour. He go, They fly to Moscow he plays back in the USSR on the support gig. Nice. Right, great. He says to him, because Ed's like, oh, I've never heard that song before. It was so good and so clever, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, yeah, I wrote it on the plane over here. You know, because he's, he's trying to, basically a lot trying of it is him, it him trying to pass off this lie that he's writing on the songs. So Ed Sheeran, with his entourage and all of his people, it, it backstage at this show, he goes, okay, if you think you're the greatest songwriter and you keep showing me up, why don't we do a songwriting challenge? I'll go off into this room. You go off into this room. We've got 10 minutes. Let's write a great song. So they go off. They come back. Ed Sheeran plays this, you know, dull ballad that I, all of his songs. Yeah. Everyone's like, oh, Ed, genius. Superb. Everyone's, you know, clapping him. And then, uh, oh God, I can't remember the actual film, but he gets on the piano and he does, I can't remember, While My Guitar Gently Weeps or something. You know, he sings a Beatles classic. Hmm. <laughs> And Ed Sheeran comes over to him and he's like, oh, oh, I can't believe it. People have always said to me that I'm the greatest songwriter in the world, but oh, you, you've you've somehow beat beaten me. Oh, I'm going to go to bed. Oh, I'm so annoyed. And it's like... Jesus Christ. You know, and you're like, excuse me? <laughs> it sounds... I don't know. Yeah, I was partly thinking about seeing it. I mean, it seems like a Netflix film. I'll watch it when it fucking hits Netflix. I'll ne- or on a plane. Or yeah. on a train. Something and, like that. You know, uh, there's another scene, I, I, actually I can't really spoil it, but there's an incredibly weird scene where there's something in the alternate reality that he goes to visit someone and it's just like, there is no need for this scene, it doesn't add anything, and it just makes it really weird. And it, it then I, makes him make a decision that doesn't make sense, basically. I think I, am, I can imagine what that scene would be, because I was thinking about it. It was something I hadn't thought about until two days ago when I saw a trailer for it and I was like I mean I can't I feel like if I say what I'm thinking we, this we is just great say, radio should we just say this okay spoiler alert if you don't want to know what happens in this skip 30 seconds okay yeah. so he goes to visit John Lennon that was it yeah. I was like oh if the Beatles don't exist John Lennon's fucking alive isn't he so he goes to some like caravan by the sea and John Lennon's there and he's like, oh yeah, I've had a great life. I just paint and I do this. And it's like, number one, why would, because he's not a musician, he's some like weird loner painter. And then, yeah, he's like, oh, well, a good life is just telling a girl that you love her and being honest yourself. So he's like, okay, well, I'll tell everyone that I am i didn't write any of these songs. Like, it doesn't make any sense. It's so odd and weird. And the guy does look a bit like him, but he's got the complete wrong accent. Oh... God. <sighs> well, but other than that, it was genuinely quite good and uplifting. And it's nice to hear all those Beatles songs. And uh, Himesh Patel is superb in it. And Lily I James is a... Lily James is a superb lead f- woman as well. Who? Lily James. Oh, Lily James. She was she was great yes. in it. Um, and you know it's funny and it's it's Richard Curtis and Danny Boyle. You know, it's a well made film. It's just. There are some bits that just drove me mad. Those are, they sound like Richard Curtis bits. Yeah. Like peak Richard Curtis. Yeah. Uh, Mawkish shit. (laughs) So. Can't wait to see it. Yeah, you should. Well, it was either that, I wanted to go see the Asif Kapadia Diego Maradona, because that literally ticks all of my boxes. But um, for some reason, they're only showing it in the daytime, so I couldn't see it on Friday night. How sad. Yeah. All right, that's me. Nice. Well, <laughs> listeners, it's been a wild ride. Yeah. Uh, we will hopefully see you in a week or two. Who knows? <laughs> in a week. A week. We'll aim yeah. for a week. Come on, let's do a week, Josh, for God's sake. Let's do a week, for God's sake. Jesus. Yeah, we'll do a week. 
Um, so I guess all that's left to say is you can find us on Twitter at TreamPod, T-R-E-A-M-P-O-D. Even though we don't tweet anymore. Yeah, we don't tweet anymore, but give us a tweet. That'd be nice. <laughs> Maybe we'll if you tweet us, we'll tweet you. All right? Yeah, exactly. It's down to you guys. Follow, it's your responsibility. Follow for follow. Team follow back. Um, you can find us on Twitter individually at Nicholas J. Smith. Yeah, without an H. Without an H. And uh, I'm at Papsby. P-A-P-S-B-Y. Uh, I don't really tweet that much, but I don't really tweet at all. But come follow me. It's great. Do you not? I've, no. I, don't, I tweet less. I find that I've, it's really weird at the moment. I'm like, I've stopped putting stuff on Instagram and Instagram stories. And I always used to put so much on it. Yeah. It's no, weird. I'm the same. I don't really post anything on like all I do. Because it's work. Maybe. It's all I do for work. I don't know. I feel like I'm retreating. Well, you're getting close to 30 now. Oh, God. It happens. Um, and uh, please, please leave us a review wherever you can leave reviews. Um, we got our first one-star review. Oh. Um, no comment with it. Cowards. Just one star. Just one star. Yeah. Probably those lads that we slagged off on the last one. Probably just anyone from Staffordshire. God. Uh, yeah, so give us a review wherever you find us. Uh, Apple, obviously very nice. But I don't know any if any of the other ones allow you to do reviews. Yeah. Give us a review. And, you know, feedback, mostly positive feedback's welcome. You know, if you want to tweet us and tell us you want more episodes or what you want us to talk about or if you want us to not talk about stuff, you know, just let us know. Let us just know. let us know. We're just open. Let us know. We're open. All right, cool. Well, um, we'll just end on my advice, which is extra relevant now that it's 35 degrees constantly. Yeah. And I can't sleep. Uh, stay hydrated. Keep it wet. Nice. <laughs>